congregation, as I indicated, having read from Psalm 116, the first uh, seven verses comprise our text, but I want to focus particularly on that confession that we have in the first verse, where it says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication. And that confession of I love the Lord is a very important confession, especially as we look forward to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And so, in preparation for the celebration of the Lord's Supper, we are called then to examine ourselves. And the examination has to do with if God could count us worthy partakers of the table of his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm using the words that we find in our Psalter as it pertains to um, the celebration of the Lord's Supper. The question is, what is it that really makes you and me worthy to be partakers of the Lord's Supper? What is it that makes us worthy? Well, the obvious answer, of course, is that you must be a confessed member of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yes, visitors who uh, request permission from the consistory will also be permitted if they have confessed Jesus Christ. And so that is, of course, the most important, being able to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior. And of course, it is important for you and me to be in good standing in the congregation as well. But it will be helpful for you and for me to understand that there is a personal aspect that is even more important than what I've said already. A personal aspect in light of the relationship that you and I have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it must be, as we may conclude from what we read already here in Psalm uh, 116, it must be a loving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what is key for us this hour. Now, we have uh, in our text passage then uh, the psalmist who says the following, and he states this quite categorically, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Well, let us consider, uh, in preparation for the celebration of the Lord's Supper, then, uh, by the following theme and division. A confession of loving the Lord makes one worthy for the Lord's Supper. In the first place, the reason for loving the Lord. Secondly, the activities in loving the Lord. And then thirdly, the evidence of loving the Lord. Now, congregation, when you read Psalm 116 very carefully, it is important for us, you and me, to remember that, that someone is speaking here who has been given the liberty by the Holy Spirit to speak about some very personal feelings that he has in regard to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, therefore, I love the Lord. Now, I realize that not every believer has such liberty to articulate this in those precise words. The feelings of love may definitely be there, but to actually say it may be something else yet. 
In fact, when we go through the Psalms very carefully, there are only a few instances where a person has the liberty to say this out loud. I think, for instance, of, of Psalm 18, where the psalmist has that liberty to say, and you can read of that in Psalm 18, verse 1, I will love you, O God, O Lord, my strength. And I think also of Simon Peter, who after a very difficult interrogation session by Jesus, finally had the liberty to say to the Lord Jesus, you know that I love you. Now apparently it, it does take some liberty, doesn't it? Worked by the Holy Spirit to say it for all to hear. I love the Lord. A liberty which, as you've heard already, which not every believer may have. We should therefore not insist that every believer be able to say this out loud, I love the Lord as a prerequisite for attending the Lord's Supper. But, as I hope to show you, even though not every believer will be able and have the liberty to say these words out loud, perhaps because of a certain reservation or a certain shyness or a certain timidity, Every believer should nevertheless know what it means to say it and have the liberty at least to, to, to show such love for the Lord in various ways. In other words, not every believer is able to express in so many words his love for the Lord, but every believer should be able to show his or her love for the Lord in various ways. Well then, what motivated the psalmist to confess his love for the Lord? Because, so he says, and we go on in reading the psalm, he has heard my voice and my supplication, and because he has inclined his ear to me. Now, according to most Bible commentators, uh, this psalm was written by David, king of Israel. Apparently, he has come through some very trying times that made him pray to the Lord very fervently. And what those trying times were specifically, we do not know this. But David did have his share of these difficulties, even as every believer has them, which in turn will then stir every believer to the spirit of prayer about these difficulties. David did have a share, and so does the believer have share of difficulties. It is great then that during such times, you and I can also say with David, he, that is the Lord, he has heard my voice and my supplications. You see, this is already enough for you and me, enough reason for you and me to love the Lord for that he has heard me. But there are more reasons yet. As David recounts, having come through some very difficult times, verse 3, where he says, The pains of death surrounded me. 
The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. And then you can read yet in verse 6, I was brought low. Now, what were those difficulties that David faced? Well, they could have been some near-death experiences. We do not know this exactly. Experiences such as having to flee from Saul prior to David becoming king, having to flee from King Saul. But it could also be some, some spiritual struggle that David had when he was, for instance, convicted of certain sins that he had committed. The pains of death probably refer to the gnawing regret and remorse of having done something that he should not have done at all, something evil, something sinful. And it could not be undone. The deed stood there as a testimony to his old sinful nature, and it grew uncontrollably strong at times in him. Perhaps, perhaps it was the sin of him committing adultery with Bathsheba. And it brought great sorrow to David, even the sorrows of death. And in such sorrows, he may have said to himself, as Sometimes we may say such things as well when, when we have done something that was not right. Why, why did I do such a thing? Whatever possessed me to commit such a sin? How foolish I was to do this and to listen to the devil. What a fool I was. The pangs of Sheol probably refer then to an accusing conscience which David had and though he knew better he went ahead with a sin whatever it was he went ahead with the sin nevertheless and then an accusing conscience can bring on tremendous pain it is a pain which, by the way, those in hell will be tormented with for an eternity. The pangs of Sheol, a sense of deserving punishment. And with all that, David says, I found trouble and sorrow. I was brought low. Now, there are people... I trust you understand that it can be dark, it can be troubling time when I, as a believer, am caught and convicted of a certain sin. It can be a very unpleasant experience. It can be a soul-troubling experience. It goes beyond mere embarrassment. It leaves you thoroughly ashamed of self and with a deep-seated pain in the soul. But, and, and this of course is the good side of it all, it brings you back to the Lord, back in prayer to the Lord God. At least, that is how it should be if you are a true, sincere believer. It brings you in prayer of repentance, even to supplicating repentance. And therefore, David says, as you can read in verse 4, Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. And dear people, what a relief it is. What a relief it is to be able to call upon the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord which is gracious, merciful, forgiving, and kind. To call upon 
the Lord God in that way because that brings relief. What a tension breaker it is when you know that you can go to God with all of your troubles and all of your difficulties and all of your sins. What an awesome venue of escape it is when you know that you can turn to the Lord for help. And what is most encouraging then is that the Lord hears our prayers and he will answer you and he will help you. David experienced this to be sure. And he could confess it as well. He has heard my voice and my supplications. He has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, David had the liberty to say, I love the Lord. Now, in preparation for the celebration of the Lord's Supper, do we not also have many reasons to say, I love the Lord? Many of us, No doubt, if not all of us, have found ourselves at one time or another in trouble of sorrow, perhaps even the sorrows of death. Perhaps you know of the experience of having been touched by the pangs of hell, with an accusing conscience perhaps, or with a sense of deserving punishment. Perhaps you know the feeling of of having sinned against a good doing and a loving God. And it leaves you with great pain inside, doesn't it? And sorrow. But with that pain and with that sorrow, you have turned to the Lord God in supplication. And he has heard you. He has helped you. And how great that is. Now, is that not enough reason already? To be able to say, I love the Lord. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplication. And such love for the Lord makes you worthy participating of the Lord's Supper. But now secondly, the activity in loving the Lord. I trust that it has become clear to each one of us, dear people, that one of the activities that you as a believer would want to be engaged in is the activity of prayer to the Lord. Well, you say, of course, yeah, uh, I pray every day. I thank the Lord for sunshine. I thank the Lord for the rain. I thank him for the blessings of health and for prosperity. I thank him for keeping me safe. I, I, I feel every day that I can be thankful to the Lord, and so I express that in my prayer. Well, that's good. That's good that you do that. And don't fail to thank the Lord for all the good that you are experiencing. But there is more. There's more in praying to the Lord. There's more than just thanking the Lord for all that he has shown you and given you. And it seems to me, and I think if you read the Bible and our text passage closely, it seems to me that those who love the Lord engage particularly in what kind of prayer? Supplication prayer. And to supplicate means what? It means to beg, it means to beseech, it means to implore, it means to pray in the spirit of great need. 
No, obviously, as I have indicated already, David was in dire straits. He was not happy to have those pains of death surrounding him and to have those pangs of Sheol getting hold of him. He was not happy at all to have all those soul troubles. It meant, of course, that there were sins that he had to repent of and he had to confess those sins. And as long as those sins were not confessed, and as long as, they were, as long as they were not confessed, they were not forgiven. David could not be happy. David's prayer activity, therefore, was therefore that of supplication. You see, as a believer, I cannot be happy unless I am in the clear with God in respect to my sin. All we know, and let's be correct on that, that when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, all our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. But that is with God. They are forgiven. But we may not necessarily have the sense of that forgiveness, especially when we have not yet confessed those sins to the Lord God. And therefore, you and I, as believers, we can sometimes be rather unhappy because we have not been able to go to the Lord in prayer for forgiveness yet. As a believer, I cannot be happy with a cloud of unconfessed sins, as it were, hanging over me. In fact, David has proven in other Psalms that to be in a state of not yet having repented of sins is a most miserable state to be in. Just think of what he has admitted in Psalm 32. This is clearly articulated in, in Psalter 83. While I kept guilty silence, my strength was spent with grief. Thy hand was heavy on me, my soul found no relief. As a believer, David could not be happy, therefore, if there were sins that had not yet been repented of. And isn't that the same with us, dear people? If you truly love the Lord, can you be happy with living with unrepented and unconfessed sins? Can you be happy with a cloud of guilt hanging over you? I dare say, not being in the clear with God about your sins will bring on much unhappiness in your life. Now, I know some people, and I do not question that they are believers. They are believers. But I know that some of them were in a serious depression. Why? Simply because they could not deal with a particular sin in the past. They could not admit to it. They could not confess it as such. And it brought them into a serious state of confession. It depressed them and made them miserable because it was basically a covered up and a buried sin in their life. And it wasn't until the Lord God came with his word and with his Holy Spirit and put pressure on them to confess that sin and supplicate to God to forgive them their sins that they came out of such a depression. Now, dear people, if you love the Lord, 
and want to be a worthy participant of the Lord's Supper. Deal with your sin. That's being straightforward, isn't it? Deal with your sins. If you're downcast and depressed about past sins, if guilt robs you of the joy and the happiness of faith, which should be there, deal with those past sins, deal with it, and do it right away. Let David therefore set the example of the activity that would be helpful in such a situation. And what was that? Well, he voiced his concerns and he called upon God. He supplicated with God. And then it stands to reason, doesn't it? That if your conscience troubles you about something that you have done or that you have said to other people, whether it's in the family or in the congregation or in the community, that you deal with it. If confession is to be made, do so. If restitution is possible, do so. And pray God to forgive you and restore you. Because disharmony with your fellow man cannot always be avoided. Know that. But if there is sin involved in your part, do not leave it undealt with. It only makes matters worse to leave it, to leave quarrels unresolved or let sins fester because it rots away, so to speak. Deal with it. Deal with it. As an activity of one who has learned to love the Lord and wants to confess the Lord, supplicate with the Lord to be delivered and to be forgiven. David did. And he was glad that he did because he could then also sing when I confess transgression, then thou forgavest me. Or you could also say, then thou gave me the sense of being forgiven. And the reason for this is celebrated then also in verse 5 as well. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. Now, dear people, next Sunday, the Lord's Supper is scheduled. Would it not be wonderful if every confessed believer would be able to attend, having been active in the things of being, of belonging to those things that we've heard about this afternoon hour, in what it means to love the Lord, in confessing and turning to the Lord again. Would it not be wonderful if everyone could come in the clear with God and in the clear with his or her neighbor? Would it not be wonderful if every grudge could be taken away, if every breach could be healed, if every split repaired and every sin confessed? Calling on the Lord, supplicating with him will go a long way to achieve this particular goal. It is an activity in loving the Lord. Well, now, lastly, let me speak about the evidence of loving the Lord. And I mentioned already at the beginning that not every believer has the liberty to say out loud, I love the Lord. Some are just too shy or too timid or too reserved to say this. And we need to respect this. 
But there are other ways of giving evidence of loving the Lord. The Lord Jesus says, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. The Apostle John, he also wrote about what it means to love the Lord. And he says, if you love God, you must also love your neighbor. Now, those are two evidences already of loving the Lord, keeping his commandments, and loving the brethren. Now, there are also other evidences of loving the Lord, which you can find proof for in the Bible, being able to forgive others, esteeming others better than yourself, being liberal in your offerings for the cause of Christ and for the cause of the gospel. But I would like to point out in connection with the Lord's Supper, that it is good evidence of loving the Lord when you can faithfully attend the table of the Lord to be fed and to be nourished by him and give evidence. This is what it means for me to love the Lord. Though you might not have the liberty to say it out loud, I love the Lord. You will have the liberty then to show that you love the Lord by attending the Lord's table. And as I said already, yes, you can show this love for the Lord by coming to the table, about which the Lord himself once said, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. Luke 22, verse 15. And anyone who loves the Lord sincerely would not want to ignore such a, a tender desire of the Lord and would want to say, yes, Lord, if that is your fervent desire, it is my desire as well to be there. Now, the last verse of our text passage, David says, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. And there are people, attendance to the table of the Lord is much like returning to your rest. Because at his communion table, the Lord feeds and he nourishes you and he gives rest to your soul. My friend, you might not have the liberty to say out loud, I love the Lord. But will you not show your love for the Lord? by attending the table when it is scheduled? And why should you? Why should you? Because he has heard your voice. He has heard your supplication. Because he has inclined his ear to you. Because the Lord has been gracious. He has been righteous. And he has been merciful to you in order to help you. And because the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. These are reasons that are found here in our text. Well, may they also be found in your life as well, you see. And that you in turn may be found at the table of the Lord. Showing that you love the Lord. But now finally, why? Why should you and I love the Lord? And I don't think that we can express it in any better words than by saying, 
because of what he, the Lord Jesus Christ, has done for me and for my fellow believers. And what he, the Lord Jesus Christ, has accomplished on the cross of Calvary, where he gave himself, where he laid down his life, where he shed his blood, where his body was beaten. You see, when that happened, the Lord Jesus gave proof that he obeyed his father's demand that the sins be paid for by the severest punishment of death. And so he came to this earth. He preached the gospel of salvation from sin. He came to this earth in seeking and saving lost sinners with a love that is beyond comparison. Because the love of the Lord Jesus Christ is much greater than you and I could ever show. It is divine love. But in his divine love, he allowed himself to be tortured, to be crucified, to suffer hellish agonies, and even to be forsaken of his father for some hours. He gave his body and he shed his blood in his great love for the likes of you and me. And now, as your loving Savior and Redeemer, he wants to see and he wants to hear your love for him. The broken bread and the poured out wine are there for you to eat and to drink in order to show your love for him. By doing so, you are, as it were, confessing, I love the Lord, the fount of life and grace. And that, in turn, makes you a worthy partaker to celebrate the Lord's Supper.